Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's word. Amen. Praise the Lord. My name is David. I'm one of the pastors here. And this morning, we are going to be continuing our faith series. And uh, how many of you have been blessed by the faith series? Hasn't it been good? Amen. It's so good. Well, if you have your Bible, I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 11. But even as you're turning there, I just want to put up some of the definitions that we've been using to kind of frame our conversation today. And I want to, I want to look at the definition of faith. We're talking about faith today. And it says this, the first definition is confident expectation in the presence, power, and provision of the unseen God. In essence, this is really faith in the person of God. And the second definition is this, absolute belief and trust in the command of God. In other words, it's faith in the word of God. And at different points in our life, different types of faith are required. Sometimes it's a relational faith. Sometimes you have to put your faith in who God is and just trusting that you know the character of God. And then other times you have to just take God's word for something. You have to just say, God, even if I don't understand it, I'll obey it. And so today I want to look at a different kind of faith that Moses, we're going to look at the life of Moses for a little bit and we're going to learn how Moses applied faith to his life. And really, you know, I, well, you know what, let's just read this passage and then I want to give you a little bit of an explanation of what we're looking at here. Hebrews chapter 11, starting at verse 24. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking ahead. Everyone say, looking ahead. Looking ahead. He was looking ahead to his great reward. It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. How do you do that? How do you keep your eyes on the one that is invisible? It was by faith that Moses commanded the people of Israel to keep the Passover and to sprinkle blood on the doorposts so that the angel of death would not kill their firstborn sons. It was by faith that the people of Israel went right through the Red Sea as though they were on dry ground. But when the Egyptians tried to follow, they were all drowned. Praise the Lord. You know, in this passage, we see how Moses made a decision even as a young man, because maybe you're not familiar with the, the story of Moses. You see, the Israelites, the Hebrews, they were in slavery to the Egyptians. They were all in Egypt, and the, the Hebrews began to grow. The Israelites began to grow. And so Pharaoh said, you know what? I don't want the people that are enslaved to me to become larger and more powerful than me. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to begin to kill the young boys. 
And so this demonic plan was, was, was crafted and the little boys were executed. The midwives were supposed to kill the little boys even as they were born. But Moses' parents said, there's something special about this boy. And so they took him and they put him in a wicker basket and they, they sent him down the Nile River. And as the, the Lord would have it, Pharaoh's daughter was bathing in the Nile and as the, the basket came by, she saw the basket, she grabbed the basket and she took Moses to be her own son. And so Moses was raised in the courts of Pharaoh. He was raised as the grandson of Pharaoh. He was raised in all of the luxury that you could have imagined. Egypt was the number one world power at the time and he would have, been, he would have gotten the best that the world had to offer. The best education, the best comfort, the best medical, everything. He would have had the best. But Moses, Moses refused to hold on to the way that he was raised because he knew what he was called to. The title of the message today is that faith refuses. Faith refuses. And you see in the, in the first verse that we read, it says that he refused, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And I wanna, I wanna look at what does refuse mean? What's the definition? How, does, how do we look at that word here? Look at this, refuse, to deny or refuse anyone or anything in the face of better knowledge or relationship. You see, what Moses did was he made a decision. Even though he grew up in Pharaoh's house, even though he had all of the perks and the benefits of a king, he decided, he said, that is not what God has called me to do. I am supposed to lead the people of Israel out of bondage. That's the call on my life. And Pharaoh made a decision. He says, you know what? I refuse to accept the world's plan for my life because I know that God has a plan for me. I refuse to accept the temptations of this life because I am holding on for a life that I cannot see yet. You see, all throughout the life of Moses, Moses was constantly refusing the current temptation so that he could gain the eternal reward. He was looking forward to his relationship with Jesus. He was looking forward to the promised land. And I'm not talking about the land of Canaan, I'm talking about heaven. He was looking forward. And for us, as we come to this passage today, my prayer, is that we would be willing to refuse the things of this world so that we can gain the things of the next. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, we pray, oh God, Lord, that today that you would give us grace. We pray that today that you'd help us to see, oh God, Lord, where the enemy has been lying to us. We pray, oh God, Lord, that you'd help us to see, oh God, Lord, the ways that you want to break us free. We pray, oh God, Lord, that you would expose things that need to be exposed. We pray, oh God, Lord, that your, that your word would pierce like a sword into our hearts and that you would do surgery on us today. We pray, oh God, pull out everything that hinders our relationship with you. 
We love you. We worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, Moses refused to align himself with ungodliness regardless of what it meant for his own felt needs. Everybody say felt need. Really, today's message, if you were to boil it down, you could say that today's message is really about choosing faith over your felt need. It's really about choosing faith, choosing to honor God, choosing to believe God instead of choosing your felt need. You know, everybody in the room has felt needs today. We all have them, and Moses did too. So I wanna look at this passage. Let's look at the first one here. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. The first point is this, faith refuses the sonship of Egypt. Faith refuses the sonship of Egypt. And this is really the felt need of relationship. You know, we have been created with a massive need. Do you know what that need is? We have a need for intimacy with Jesus. Our need, the greatest need that we have is to be close to Jesus. God actually created us so that we would desire him. Did you know that? He created every single person and whether people recognize that or not, whether they believe that or not, God has made each and every one of us to have a heart that needs to be filled with the presence of God, with the intimacy and the love of the Father. Many of us, we look in all sorts of different places, you know, the proverbial statement, looking for love in all the wrong places. God, he wants you to find love in the right place. He wants you to have it for sure, but he wants you to find it in the right place. You know, sometimes babies cry and they don't know why they're crying. How many of you have had a baby in your house, right? None of you, okay, well, that's interesting. Huh, okay. <laughs> I'll tell you about it. Um, when you have a baby in your house, sometimes babies cry. I know, it's, it's, someone said preach. I know, that's a brother back there. He's got a newborn. So we, sometimes babies cry, but they don't always know why they're crying. And so you, the parent, as the parent, you come to the baby and you say, okay, do you want food? You try to feed them, they don't want food. Okay, then it's not that. Okay, do you have a poopy diaper? Okay, is it the poopy diaper? No, it's not the poopy diaper. Okay, are you tired? Do you need to go to sleep? Yes, they need to go to sleep. Okay, so there's like, typically there's like three options. There's a couple of variables that we won't get into, but typically it's those three, right? Now, I, I know that babies, they, they have desires and they have hungers that are inside of them, but babies don't always know why they're crying. And they can't tell you why they're crying, but they're crying. And I believe that oftentimes that's how our hearts are. They're crying. We don't always know why they're crying. We don't always know what we need. We don't always know how to pacify it. But when we come to the Father, then the Father is the only one that knows how to make us satisfied. God, amen. God, he wants us to be satisfied. You see, here's, here's the, the bottom line. Our needs, we have longings and we have desires for relationships. That's how God made us. 
But sometimes we can begin to fill that need with other things that are not satisfying. You see, faith refuses ungodly relationships even if they meet a deep felt need. Only intimacy with Jesus truly satisfies the soul. Only intimacy with Jesus truly satisfies the soul. You know, I was, I was saying to the, uh, to the last service, I said, you know, um, some people think that, that marriage actually uh, satisfies your soul. And all the married people said, no, it doesn't. <laughs> last service, I, I think that they were all shocked. They're like, really? It doesn't? No, actually, it doesn't. Why? Because... When you are in a relationship with someone else, that other person was not created with the capacity to satisfy your soul. That person is not created with the ability to meet your deepest needs. And so what happens though, and we all do this, right? Sometimes, you know, you know they actually say that sometimes when you're hungry, what you actually need is a drink of water. Did you know that? Sometimes, oh, there's like revelation in the room right now. They're like, what? No wonder I just keep eating, you know? It's like, sometimes your body needs something that you don't know how to give it. And you know, the reality is, is that our hearts are longing for things. And sometimes we think, well, if I have this, then that will satisfy. That will make me happy, but in reality, it won't. And so what the devil comes and he does is he says, hey, listen, if you just, you know, look, you can't, you can't leave your, this woman raised you. You can't reject her. Yeah, so what? That she's, She believes in other gods and she's putting these people in slavery, but it doesn't matter. She raised you. You owe it to her. Or, you know, maybe the enemy comes and he says, you know, if you were just together with someone else, you would be happy. You would be satisfied. If you had a relationship, then you wouldn't feel so lonely. And the devil lies to us with all of these things. And he says, you know, if you had this, then you would be satisfied. But, you know, listen, I've, I've been in the ministry for a long time now. And what I've seen, I've seen cycles, okay? There's cycles. People have life cycles and people go through cycles. And here's one of the cycles that I've seen. Let's say, uh, uh, let's just take, for example, a, a single young woman comes into the church, okay? And... She has a desire to be married. She has a desire to have children. And she comes into the church. And what happens? She starts to look around. She doesn't see a husband for her in sight that's not, that's not panning out. And, and maybe a couple of disappointments and maybe a couple of frustrations. And even though she has a desire to seek God and even though she wants to do things right, she says, well, how am I going to figure out how I'm going to get married and have kids and have a family and fulfill the thing, the, the deepest longing of my heart? And then what happens is she forfeits her destiny, she leaves, and she finds someone, anyone, willing. They get into a relationship, things don't work out because their paths are not aligned, they're not headed in the same direction and they have different, they have different um, uh, values, they have different ideas about who God is. You know the first question I always ask people I, when they tell me, hey, so I'm dating this person, I say, do they really love Jesus? I don't ask if they're a Christian because there's a lot of people that are, I'm a Christian. Do they really love Jesus? 
right? There's a difference. And sometimes that happens and then they, they, end up, they end up settling for less. But how many know the people of God, we, we have to be patient, but we don't have to give in. You know, the devil wants to tell you, if you don't, if you don't, if you don't have these things, these, these, these relationships in your life, if you don't satisfy these relationships in your life, then you will not be satisfied. But here's, here's how it goes, right? And it's not just single women. It's, I've seen young men, they, 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 they come in and they're looking for the approval of Pharaoh. They're looking for the men in their life. They're looking for their boss to say, hey, you are, you are successful. They're looking to make money. They're looking to have some sort of, of uh, something to hang their hat on. They're looking to say, I have accomplished something because they, they value themselves based on what they can do and what they can accomplish in the approval of the men around them. And they sacrifice for that. And they push aside the call of God on their life because they say, I'm going to have this at all costs. I've seen moms who, who have, they say, you know what, I'm gonna pour my entire life, all of my heart into my children because when I do that, if I pour my life into my children, then what's gonna happen is they're gonna grow up and they're gonna love me and they're gonna satisfy a deep need that I have in my heart to be validated as a mother. And they pour their lives into them. And then over time, they become disappointed because their kids are not meeting the need that they have. And then their marriage is falling apart because they focused only on their kids. There's things that we do. We push into places where we know that there's not going to be satisfaction. But we're trying to force something in. It doesn't work. Because there's only one relationship that satisfies. There's only one relationship that satisfies. Listen, when your relationship with God is filling your soul, all the other relationships in your life, they start to become more and more healthy. But all the relationships in your life will begin to be broken if you look to any other relationship to fill the place of God in your life. It doesn't matter if it's your kids. It doesn't matter if it's your spouse. That's why some people are leaving their spouses because they say, well, you know what? I'm not, I don't love you anymore. That's not true. You were looking for something for them that they couldn't satisfy. You have to go to the source. You have to go to the source. So... Here's, you know, the thing about this is that Moses, he gave up all sorts of different relationships, but here's the crazy part, okay? You see, in the immediate, we can begin to grow restless because we don't have those needs met, but Moses, he waited. He waited. And what happened with Moses? You remember the story, right? Moses, he rejected his father and his mother in Egypt. He rejected all of his friends and all the people that he grew up with. He rejected his neighborhood. He rejected all of these things. And you know what he did? He refused to be called by the world. And he accepted, he refused to be called by the world, and he accepted the face of God. What happened with Moses? He went up on the Mount, of, Mount Sinai, right? And the Bible says that God talked to Moses as his friend. 
The Bible says that, that he would sit down and that God and Moses, I don't even understand this because the Bible says that if you see God, you'll perish. But the Bible says that, that God and Moses talked face to face. You see, all the relationships that he sacrificed, all the relationship that he refused to let rule his life and direct his course, he says, you know what? I'm giving it up. And God honored that. And God met him in a powerful way. God will never leave you hanging. You might have to wait, but he will never leave you hanging. Listen to verse 25. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. Faith refuses short-term pleasure. Faith refuses short-term pleasure. You see, there's a felt need of pleasure that we have in our life. The, the, the devil wants to tell you if you, don't, if you don't satisfy this need, you're gonna die. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Sometimes there's things that are so strong and you're like, I'm gonna die if I don't get this. The enemy tells you, if you don't eat right now, you're gonna die. The enemy, you know, he lies to us. He lies to us with our vices. He lies to us with the things that are, that he says, if you don't have sex, you're gonna die. If you don't do this, you're gonna die. If you don't have a relationship, you're gonna die. If you don't do this, he just makes it, he blows it out of proportion and he says, you can't survive without pleasure. He makes it where you can't possibly operate. And you know what? Here's the deal. This is the thing. Sinful pleasure is fleeting, while godly pleasure is nourishing, comforting, and edifying. Amen. Godly pleasure, it, it, it meets a need. It builds you up. It, it, it makes you stronger. Pleasure is not sin. God created pleasure. Pleasure outside of relationship with God, anything that breaks relationship with God, that is sin. God wants you to have pleasure. I mean, he created heaven. He created the Garden of Eden. He created relationships. He created food. Praise the Lord. God created all of these things. He wants us to enjoy everything, but not at the cost of relationship with him. How many of you have heard of the uh, fire festival. It's been all over the news. It's been a lot of hype about it lately, okay? Well, here, here's basically what, what it is is this. There was a, there was a festival. Uh, these people, they, they put it together, and this festival touted that it was going to be the, the most, the best party you've ever been to. It was like hedonism at its height, right? There was like, you know, it was, they, they used a bunch of models and a bunch of celebrities to promote and to, to push it. And they said, this is going to be the time of your life. You don't want to miss out on this. You know, it, it's like put a, you know, sell all your belongings and buy a ticket because after you go to this, you'll be satisfied. It said, you know, if you go to this party, you, it's going to be everything. I mean, they said gourmet food. They're bringing in bands from all around the world. It was, you know, on a deserted island in the Bahamas. I mean, how, how could you go wrong with that, right? People were paying for VIP accommodations. They were paying up to 15000 and some even up to $100,000 one week. They said they were promised the world. I mean, they were promised the world. So... Unfortunately, the people that were actually planning this event was a, uh, there was a 25-year-old in Ja Rule. 
So an event that should have taken about a year to execute, they tried to pull off in about 12 weeks. And so when the people got there, they were expecting the highest that life could offer. But here's what they actually got. What they actually got Styrofoam with toast and cheese and salad. They didn't even get protein. And that's not even good cheese. That's like, that's like cut cheese, you know? That's been on the shelf. These are FEMA tents. They use these tents in disaster areas. Where's my hammock? And you know, so the internet went crazy with this, right? The internet made all these memes and said, you know, this is Darwinianism at its finest, you know, and uh, this is like, you know, the people that went to this, they deserve it. And, you know, it was like, I mean, lots and lots of jokes. A lot of people actually uh, were really, I mean, messed up uh, by this whole fiasco. But you know, I was thinking about this and I was like, you know, we, we kind of laugh at this. I mean, it, some of it is pretty ironic, but it's, but it's actually what happens to us all the time. You see, because the devil is constantly promising you the world. But then when you actually write the check and you hand it in, what you get is a styrofoam plate with a couple pieces of bread and cheese. And instead of the nice accommodations that you were expecting, you get a FEMA tent and you're in bondage. What happens is the devil makes promises that he doesn't intend to keep, but because we're desperate and because our feelings and our felt need feels impossible to ignore, we begin to sign that check with our relationship with God and sometimes even our relationship with our family, sometimes even our job, sometimes all of our finances, and we write the check and we hand it to the devil and this is what we get. It's never worth it. It's never worth it. Listen, when you do business with the devil, you get cheated. That's what happens. And you know what? Your pleasure does not have to be your master. Here's the deal. Sin is always temporary, costly, dangerous, and debilitating. Always. Sin always leaves you empty. It always messes you up. It never satisfies what you think it will. The way that sin works is it is so drawing and it is like almost impossible to resist. And then the minute that you get in, you, you regret it. Because what the devil likes to do is he says, okay, come on, come on. Look, it's the only thing that you need is right here. And he puts that carrot right in front of your nose and he just leads you into it. And then the minute that you get in, he says, look at how dumb you are. I can't believe that you did that. You are so stupid and you're a failure and you know what? You're never gonna be able to get out of this. This is who you are. This is your character. This is what your, your, your future consists of. That's what the devil does. But it doesn't have to be that way. You can say, you, can say, you know what? 
Moses, if you were able to resist the fleeting pleasures of this world, then God, I know that you're going to satisfy my needs, my true needs, my heart needs. Some of you are here today, and maybe you have, you're hearing this and you're feeling beat up. I don't want anyone to feel beat up because you know what? The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus comes that you might have life and life to the fullest. We're not talking about anything that makes you feel bad. So it was so funny, you know, yesterday I, uh, I got into an Uber and uh, I, love, I love taking Ubers. The conversations always start out way different than they end. And they talk, I always talk to them, even if they don't want to talk. I say, you're stuck, brother. And so I get in the car and I'm like, hey, how's it going? And the, and the guy says, hey, man. He's like, so you going to party today? And I was like, no, I, I'm not. Um, I'm a pastor. I love it. When I say that, that was, he was like, Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm like, I don't really, you know, that, that doesn't really do anything for me. You know, I, uh, I, I don't think that that's going to be very much fun. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's a way better, way better, way better. You know, it's like, that's good. It's like, yeah. Uh, he's like, you know, I'm not into any of that either. You know, it's just. <laughs> and, and so, you know, what's funny, though, is that. I heard yesterday, so yesterday was crazy because apparently, you know, they had this festival downtown and whatnot, and, and, and they actually had to shut some of the trains down because they had so many fights and they had so many people throwing up on the train. I know. Sounds like fun, right? And I'm like, you know, the end of something is way different than the beginning. I said to him, I said, you know what? I said, I, I like to do things for fun that I don't regret the next day. Uh, if, you, if you have to wake up feeling guilty, if you have to hide the things that make you feel better, then you should question what is going on in your life right now. If you gotta put a cloak around it, listen, listen, if you steal something, you know what? Is it ever really yours? If, if, you're, if your pleasure consists of, of, of another person taking advantage of another person, whether it's, whether it's financial or sexual, it doesn't matter. Does that, is that really something that is going to make your life better? Is it really gonna satisfy you? Listen, Jesus is the only one that satisfies. Anyone can have companionship for one night in our day and age, but that does not provide intimacy with God. You know what? There's no app for intimacy with Jesus. It's something that you have to just say, God, I'm going to just enter into the secret place. And God, even if it takes, even if it takes longer than I want, I'm going to just rest and know you're going to meet all of my needs. God doesn't leave us hanging. Listen. Verse 26. 
Actually, before I even read this, you know that, you know what sin does, right? Eventually, all sin does the same thing. So if you, you know, I'm not, there's, all of us are sinners. We all have issues. We all have problems. We all have things that we have to deal with. So if you are here today and you think that I missed your sin, don't worry. God knows. (laughs) You're not off the hook. All of us have issues that we have to deal with. All of us have things that we have to bring to God and say, God, you need to wash me, you need to make me clean. Because here's what sin does. Sin always leads to bondage. Sin, listen, sin, it always requires a high, high price. And it's always more. There's so much more in the fine print. Whenever you do business with the devil, you get cheated. But listen to this. Verse 26 He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking ahead to his great reward. He was looking ahead. He wasn't stuck in the moment. He wasn't listening to the the needs that were banging on his heart and on his mind. He was looking ahead. It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt. Not fearing the king's anger, he kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. It was by faith that Moses commanded the people of Israel to keep the Passover and to sprinkle blood on the doorposts so that the angel of death would not kill their firstborn sons. It was by faith that the people of Israel went right through the Red Sea as though they were on dry ground. But when the Egyptians tried to follow, they were all drowned. You see, faith refuses to remain in bondage. Listen, let me tell you something. All of us struggle with sin, and if you came into this place and you're just feeling like, oh man, I am such a sinner. Listen, you know what faith says? Faith says, I'm not staying here. I'm not staying in Egypt. I don't care if I have to go wander in the desert. I'm not staying in Egypt. I don't care if I have to, I I don't care what kind of sacrifice I have to make. I don't care if everybody gets angry. You know, some of us in this room, we're still in sin. We're in bondage to sin because we're afraid that people are going to get angry. You're afraid, you know what? If I uncover what's actually going on in my life, my wife is going to leave me. If I actually uncover what's going on in my life, I might get fired. If I actually uncover what's going on in my life, I think all the people in the church are going to, they're going to, they're going to, they're going to say, get out of here. No one's gonna love me. People are not gonna wanna be my friend, but that's the devil. That's the devil. You see, you can't be afraid if Pharaoh is angry. Who cares if somebody's upset? Who cares if you upset, you know, your family? I've met couples and they've said, well, you know, we can't do that because, you know, our family, it's a cultural thing. They're just, I said, well, who cares about culture? We're talking about, you need to do what's right for your marriage. You can't just pacify other people. Do you know what kind of an existence that is? Miserable. You have to say, God, I'm gonna live for something that I can't see right now. I'm gonna go through something that might be very uncomfortable. Did you know that some of you, God might be saying, I need you to be lonely for a little bit. I need you to be lonely for a little bit because I want to show you, I, unless you're alone, then I'm not going to be able to go as deep as I want to with you. But be 
because it takes a long time, we say, man, this is just taking too long. But you know what? Don't worry. If you're in bondage today, if you're in sin, I have news for you. God wants to get you out. God wants to get you out. Listen. Faith sometimes, it walks away from relationships. Faith sometimes, some of you are in the room and you might need to, you might need to, to break off some friendships that you have because you know that they're taking you in the wrong direction. Some of you, there's all sorts of things that you might have to do. And you know what? You know what they are. The Holy Spirit's telling you right now. But God, he has grace for you. And you know what? Some of you are discouraged because you say, you know what? I've been dealing with this for so long. There's no way that I can get free. I already tried that, Pastor David. I already tried to get free. Well, I, listen, I have news for you today. The people of Israel were in Egypt. The Hebrews were in Egypt. And do you know how many plagues were sent before the people were set free? 10. Do you know how many years they were in Egypt before they finally were delivered? 400. I have news for you. God can deliver you in one moment. I don't care how many times you've tried. I don't care how many things, you know, you say, well, I've gotten, I've had 75 accountability partners and I've, and I've tried to, I, I've read 33 books on this issue and I still can't get free. And you know what? It's just getting more and more confusing. I've got news for you. The only thing, the only thing that's gonna set you free is the blood of Jesus. It's not more discipline. It's not more discipline. It's not all the things that you place around yourself. You see, the only thing that keeps you away from sin is intimacy with the Father. The only thing, it's not gonna be, oh, you know what, I need to work harder and I need to try more. It's, you know, it's not that. I'm not saying that you don't have to put any barriers in your way or you don't have to be wise about things, of course, but that's not gonna get you free. Jesus, he wants to deliver. And Moses understood something. You see, because not until the Passover lamb was killed and the blood was put over the doorpost so that the angel of death would not kill the firstborn, not until that moment did Pharaoh break. Sometimes God wants to bring you through a process so that you can see, you know what? It's only the blood of Jesus that can set me free. I believe that today, there might even be people in this room and you say, you know what, Pastor David, even as you're talking, I don't know if I have ever had a relationship with Jesus. You might be here and you have never even begun to know what intimacy with God is like because you've never put your faith in him. Maybe you've gone from a relationship to relationship to relationship. You've, you've, You've seen one broken life after another and it's unfolded over and over and over again. Today, God wants to introduce himself to you. He wants you to know him. Not know about him, he wants you to know him. Maybe today you say, you know what? I've been in sin and I, I, I just, I want, I, I recognize that I've been looking to try to fill my heart with all these things that have just not done it for me. You might be in the last leg of your life. You might be 90 years old in this place and you're hearing this and you're saying, you know what? For the first time I wanna experience this, God's grace is available to you. Today, 
I want to give you an opportunity to put your faith in Jesus and to say, Jesus, I want to turn away from my sin and I want a relationship with you. You know what? Everybody close your eyes. Right now, if that's you in this place, it doesn't matter who you are and it doesn't matter how bad you've been. It doesn't matter how many things you've tried and it doesn't matter how far gone you think you are. If today, if you say, I want a relationship with Jesus and I've never accepted him as my Lord and as my Savior, I've never done that. If that's you today, I want you to just lift your hand up if you say, I wanna do that for the first time. Come on, just lift your hand up. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else? You say, I want a relationship with Jesus. We're all gonna pray here in a moment. Just gonna give it one more minute. Is there anyone else? Thank you. We're all gonna pray together. There's nothing magical about these words, but I want you to pray this from your heart. God is listening to your heart right now. We're all, as a, as a congregation, we're all gonna pray out loud together. But if you say, you know what, I wanna put my faith in Jesus for the first time. I wanna accept him as my Lord and Savior. I want you to pray this prayer with me. And God, by his spirit, will come and he will wash you and he will make you brand new and he will dwell inside of you and he will place his Holy Spirit in you as a seal that he is coming back to resurrect you and to bring you to heaven. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for taking all my sin and putting it on your back and taking it to the cross and allowing yourself to be crucified for me. Thank you for forgiveness. I repent of all my sin. I turn to you and I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for rising from the dead so that I can live a brand new life. Jesus, I invite you into my life. Be my king, be my master, be my Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, God. Jesus, I thank you for everyone that just prayed that prayer. I pray, oh God, Lord, that you would cover them, that by your spirit you would fill them to overflowing, oh God. Baptize them in your Holy Spirit and power, oh God, that they might be able to live out the life that you have called them, that you have destined for them, oh God. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would fill them and that you, oh God, would give them joy and peace in you. I pray, oh God, Lord, that they would be encouraged, that they would be built up. We pray, oh God, Lord, that you would surround them with people that are gonna help them to grow in their walk with you. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, can we put our hands together? We're gonna take communion right now. And here's what I want us to do. I'm gonna ask everyone to, the, those that are preparing and uh, handing out communion, if you'd come now and start. We're gonna be handing out the elements here and I want you to just take them and I want you to just hold on to them. We're gonna take them together after we pray. 
But what's happening right now, and I need you to just focus in for a minute. There's gonna be a lot of people moving around, but I know, you know, no one's gonna get rubberneck. You know, you're gonna be dialed in right here. What we're doing right now is a symbol, it's a representation of what Jesus did for us. You see, even if you're a believer here and you say there's things that are going on in my life, God provided forgiveness once and for all and it is available to us at all times. And so for us, when we come to the communion, when we say, God, I want you to come and to make me fresh and to make me new. God, I want you to restore the things that are broken. God, I want you to make those areas of my life, those things that have been hidden in darkness, I wanna bring those to the light and I want you to forgive me and I want you to make me whole. Right now, that's what we're doing. And here's the deal. The Bible says that not come to the Lord's table in an unworthy manner. Now, none of us are worthy of the blood of Jesus. But what that means is it means don't come and do the symbol without the reality taking place in your heart. If there's sin in your heart and you're not letting it go, please don't take communion. But if you say, God, I just wanna be new right now. Whatever is in my life, I want you to take it and I want you to forgive me. Then just take that thing and as we take communion, I want you to, I want you to pray and I want you to say, God, whatever is inside, I want you to make me brand new. I want you to make me clean. So as they're passing out the communion, I want you to just examine your heart right now and I want you to just pray and say, God, search me, oh God, and see if there is any unclean way in me.
can't work your way out of sin you have to be washed out of sin and right now what we're going to do is I'm going to ask the the pastors to come we're going to take communion together and we're going to believe that what God is doing right now is he's making us new the Bible says that his mercies are new every morning and so As we take communion, as we pray together, what we're doing is we're saying, God, we remember what you've done, and we know as we take this, you're doing a new work inside of us. I want to read this passage, and then I'm going to ask Pastor Josh to pray for the bread. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Dear Jesus, we thank you. Thank you that you let your body be bruised, be beaten, be battered. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you went to the cross to carry our shame and our guilt so that way we don't have to. Thank you, Jesus, that you took our sin. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you took everything that we can ever imagine. You took that on you. You allowed your body to be torn apart. You you allowed your body to be whipped, to be bruised. And we thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that because you sacrificed yourself, we can find freedom in you. We thank you and we remember you. Let's take the bread together. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Pastor Matt's going to pray for the cup. Jesus, we thank you this morning that your blood has covered all of our sins. 
God, we thank you today that the blood of Jesus cancels every sin in this room. Father, we thank you, God, that we have overcome by the blood of the Lamb today. Father, we thank you that the blood of the Lamb silences the voice of condemnation, silences the voice of Satan, and even silences the voice of self, O oh God, today. Father, we thank you that you purchased our ability to be intimate with you, O oh Lord, that we can come boldly to the throne of grace, Lord. Father, today we pray for a supernatural release, God, from every chain and bondage in Jesus' name, as we partake of this cup, Lord. Father, I pray for a renewing of intimacy, a renewing of devotion, a renewing of clarity, O oh Lord. Father, we forsake anything that is a substitute. You are all in all today, Jesus. Fill every hole of every heart. Be the satisfier of every soul today, from the youngest to the oldest amongst us. Oh God, we forsake the world, but we say, give us Jesus today and we thank you Lord that it's not by our works that we've gained access to this intimacy but because of the blood of the new covenant oh God it is a contract that you signed with your blood and even when we are faithless you are faithful oh God because you cannot deny your promises Lord today so thank you for the supernatural release Lord and we thank you for the blood that gives us the fresh start today. Thank you for the release, oh God. Oh death, where is your sting? Oh sin, where is your victory? Thanks be to God and Jesus Christ our Lord. And we thank you today in Jesus' name. Let's take the cup together. Now I want you to put that cup down. And I want us to just begin to worship. Come on, stand to your feet. Hallelujah. Come on, can we give him thanks and praise? We thank you for what you've done. We thank you for what you've done, oh God. Hallelujah.
God, we pray release in the name of Jesus. Anyone that is bound, we pray unbind in the name of Jesus. We thank you for your blood. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercies that are new every morning, oh God. And Lord, we pray, oh God, as we walk out of this place, may we walk with freedom and confidence and our heads held high because condemnation has been subdued, oh God. It has been put down, oh God. Because of your blood, you have washed our sins away. So God, by faith, we refuse the temptation of this world and we fix our eyes on the one who can satisfy. We love you and we worship you in Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah, come on, let's praise him. Let's praise him, hallelujah. Hallelujah, God bless you. Come on, get out of your seat, give somebody a hug.